we have put on tons of lip gloss and I go through all this and all this and you're so exhausted at the end. You're like, do I really want to suck a dick at this point? <laughs> um, Hi, I'm Dahlia. I'm not your therapist, but I am a dating coach, a matchmaker, and your new best friend when your real best friend just doesn't want to listen to you anymore. So let's have it. Hello, welcome. If you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, successes you want to share, please email us at notyourtherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Instagram, notyourtherapistpodcast. Dating question of the week. What do you do when you're absolutely out of someone's league, but they're really nice and drive a Tesla and really, really like you? What an interesting question. Um, and then they go on to say, but like, you're not that into it, but could be into it because they're really nice and drive a Tesla. Um, I think the question was whether, I thought the question was, do you go on a date with them at all? To which, as you know, my answer would be yes. I believe everyone who's nice to you and into you should get at least one date, if not three, which is my preference. Um, then it turned out the question was, I'm on the date. Should I go on another date if I'm not feeling it at all? Again, I really think it takes a while for people to relax, especially in this case when I prodded a little more, I found out there was some social awkwardness going on with this person, especially when there's social awkwardness. Do the person you're on the date with a favor and tell them what they could do to make it better for you, especially I will say male identifying people tend to not be as comfortable on dates. They're not used to being in that position. It's not really their comfort zone. So if there's something, if the guy is interrupting you, not listening, um, seems really uncomfortable, anything that could make you like them more or, or anything, it will put them at ease if you can tell them. I don't really believe in the whole, like, they're out of my league, I'm out of their league. Just the amount of variations of couples that are out there, it's really silly to have any sort of type or idea of a league at all. So if someone's into you, give them credit for that. They're already smart, already doing something right. Go on a date with them. If they're awkward, weird on a date, seem uncomfortable, seem something, that there's something you could do something about. Like if they have bad breath, hey, do you want a piece of gum? Or if they seem uncomfortable sitting far away from you, why don't we sit next to each other at the bar? It'll make us both more comfortable. Or if they just seem nervous, you can be like, are you nervous? Because I get really nervous on first dates. I just want you to know you don't have to feel nervous around me. Or you can say, you know, you seem nervous to put you at ease. Let's look up these like fun questions or games that we could do together. That way, neither of us feels responsible for taking care of the other person. Put it out there. Say what you feel. It's going to put the other person at ease, even if it feels like you're being a little harsh or a little too straightforward. If there's something they could do to make you like them more, let them know. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the chance to show you that the league thing is pretty much bullshit and um, everybody deserves a chance, especially if they're smart enough to like you. I don't really care about what kind of car they drive, but it's certainly not a bad thing if it's someone who can support themselves and isn't going to have you know, independence or financial problems. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I just say, you know, while we shouldn't be judging people by that in any way, it's never a bad thing. And just just give the person a chance to relax and be themselves. And sometimes that takes two or three dates. So believe the best in the person. Say whatever you can say to put them at ease. Tell them how you're feeling. Tell them what they can do to help. And help each other. And let's all just make this a more enjoyable experience. And go on three dates. It will not kill you. Okay, thanks. Hello, hi, I'm here with 
Rachel Axelrod, who is, I will say, my guru, my mentor. I'm very honored to be here with her. She is the most beautiful, beautiful woman. I've known her for a long time. I just, I've taken so much wisdom from her. She's just laughing at me, but it's true. And, you know, we all need people that we can talk to who are older and wiser than us. Why do you have to say older? Well, I feel, I feel like you punch that really <laughs> hard. The no, older no, no. part. It's not like a crazy amount. I mean, not a crazy amount. No, no, no. Listen, there are people your age and way older who are still not wiser. Uh-huh. The point is wiser. You are obviously I wiser. Say, I heard older. She's a fellow old soul. Not necessarily an older soul. Oh, this is going to be. It's going to be rich. She's yeah. already crying I'm tears, crying of, and laughter. tears of laughter. Um, so, anyways, Rachel's here. Rachel's been kindly listening to this podcast, um, and she pretty early on was like, "I think I have something to say." And I was like, "I want you to say whatever you have to say. I want to listen to you talk all day. I love, I love everything about you." Rachel, you're stunning. She's probably going to be famous, so we'll just remember this podcast when she's famous. Sure. Anyways, Rachel, hi. Hi. Uh, First, let's talk about you. Rachel is in a marriage. She is married happily. She just had a baby. I did. I did. Beautiful baby girl. She's perfect and delicious. She is delicious. And Rachel's been married for how long? Ten years? Five years. No. Uh, Hang on. I I know this answer. This is... uh, 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 October, October, which is far off, but October, it'll be seven years. Okay. So like six and some change. Yeah. And then how long were you guys together before that? We were together for three and a half years. No, no. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Wait, cause, cause if I'm saying six and a half and then three and a half, that's 10, but we've been together, we've been together, um, 11. So, so some math so is far, off. Yeah. Listen, we're fine. We're fine. I'm fine. Everyone's fine. fine. Let's just say, you know, we were together a few years. Okay, a few married. years. Yeah. Rachel is like my foremost relationship advice giver. I usually use her for when I'm freaking out about something and I go to Rachel and she's like, calm down and shut your mouth. And it usually works. Yeah. Well, uh, well I think because uh, I, I think we're very similar. Mm-hmm. We're very strong Ashkenazi Jewish women. <laughs> and I think with that comes very specific personality traits. True. Um, so I can, I think I have a relatability with you. Yeah. But also I think your audience should know that how much you've been there for me. So it's definitely oh. a two-way street. We calm each other down. Yes. It's like we switch off. We're like, I'm freaking out. And we're like, calm down. And then the other one goes, I'm freaking out. And then we're like, calm down. And then we both try and stay relatively calm. Sure. Yeah. And I think your audience should also know that aside from you being a great love therapist and matchmaker and whatnot, that you're also an incredible friend because Aww. not everybody runs an... Uh, um, anytime I've needed you, you've gotten in a car and, and you've come to my aid. It's one thing to pick up the phone. That's pretty, that's easy enough. That's something, yeah. But you will drop what you're doing and and get to me. It's selfish. And you've had to do I just want to look at you. Uh-huh. Yep. Listen, just want to hug you. Because people are going to Google me and and they're going to be like, Matt. No, wait till you, no, no. It's the most, I mean, it's unreal. Um, But it's totally selfish because whenever I see you, I know I'm going to laugh. I'm going to cry. We're going to have a beautiful give and take. Okay, this is enough of a love fest. (laughs) So you've been with your husband for we don't know how long. Uh, 11 um, years. Tell us how you met. Tell us how you met. We met at a stand-up workshop. We were both learning stand-up. This was in New York City. This was in New York City. Mm-hmm. And 
I really, I had a strong connection to him. I just, well, I, I liked him as soon as I saw him and he was really sweet and funny, but he put his hands through his hair and he had some gray in his hair. Now mm. he has a lot of gray, but mm-hmm. he had some gray in his hair and I thought it was very sexy Ooh. and the way it would like cascade off his fingers. Was, oh. In my in my head, it happened in slow motion. So were you instantly attracted to him? I was. Okay. I was. And listen, I had a very smooth move, which to this day he says was the most ridiculous, stupid move and quite obvious, but yeah. I thought it was terribly smooth. Please. And can you tell us how old were you at this point? Yes. Oh, I think it's important to know. Yeah, so, uh, I, I was 30. You were 30, 30 when you met him. When I met him. Mm-hmm. And he is four years my senior and uh, he had a, we were at a stand-up workshop and he had a bit about his fiance and the wedding. So I asked So he him, was engaged? No. Oh, oh, so this is, okay. So I asked him because I wanted to know, like, is, is, it, a, is it true or not? I, I, I very smoothly <laughs> and, and, and very uh, uh, full of sexiness asked him, you know, when's the wedding? And he said that's when he knew I was into him. Yeah. It's like, there's no wedding. Um, but he liked me at my worst because I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a girl who cares very much about things that a lot of girls care about, meaning I don't really care about fashion and mm-hmm. I, I wear things with hole in it. My husband thinks um, he's married to a homeless person. So when I went to these stand-up workshops, I didn't have makeup on and my hair was in a bun and I was wearing sweats. And I also didn't want to spend money on a uh, protector for my cell phone, so I kept it in a sock. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I uh, and to this day he talks about the cell phone in the sock. Was so he sexy? he met me at my. Were you know, afraid of lint getting in the cell phone? Is that possible? What, yeah. What, what would happen? No. Clog it up. Really? Did I he think, think it was sexy to watch you take your cell phone out of your sock? I don't think there was there was or necessarily is anything sexy about me. But uh, oh my god, that's one hundred percent not true. But I, go ahead. I think at the time he thought it was adorable, and I think there's something to be said, and I think this is very important for the ladies to hear out there is uh, and the men and the, and the men and the, and the men for that matter and and the and non-binary everybody 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 everyone looking for love and and I, I'm glad you say that because this is important for everyone here. I think there's something very attractive, but also comforting to people on the receiving end when you're comfortable in your own skin. Mm. So I think the fact that I was there and I didn't have makeup on and my hair's thrown in a bun and I'm in sweats and I'm talking out of, you know, a cell phone and a sock. It was a frog sock, by the way. Of course. Because I can't have a normal white sock. It's got to be... Frog a, sock. Well, it was a prince frog sock. So it was a frog what? with a crown. A freaking... It was a great sock. I wish I still had But also, sock. that's such a, like, sign. Oh, a, hey! Yeah. Look a at prince that. frog. Right before you met your prince frog. You kissed a lot of frogs, didn't you? I, I did. You were engaged before him, were I you was. not? Yes. I was. I was and he I was, was engaged before you, correct? Yes. 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 Interesting. He was. Yes, okay. He was. Okay. Um, but he had already broken up the engagement. Yeah, when he was you single. Met. Yeah, when yeah, we yeah. Met. Okay. He was single when we met. Um, anyway, so I think I think I, I, I think that might have been attractive for him. Is that here was this girl who really wasn't 
trying and she's like what you see is what you get this is who I am I don't really have apologies about that now were you always like that or do you think part of that was because sometimes we would be like how do I meet someone or you know a date can be a very artificial setting so I tell people take a class in something you're really interested in or join a team that you that you aren't doing to meet someone even though that might be a benefit of it but you know the way that you you did the stand-up class because you were really interested in it and you went there not dressed up to meet a man, but like, okay, I'm here to work and I'm in my sweatpants and I don't have makeup on because I'm here to do the stand up. And I'm sure it didn't even cross your mind that you might meet someone there. No, but, and I think it's, I think you bring up a really good point because I think it's very important uh, to say that I was, when I met, when I met my, my now husband, I had been single for nearly 10 years and your twenties is a weird, weird time to be single. Mm -hmm. That's usually when a lot of the, you know, you're having these little relationships and everything. Um, and my, my 20s were very, were very turbulent. So I wasn't always that way. I, I went on lots of dating apps. I went on lots of dates. I would get nervous about how I looked. I would get nervous about my, my, my body because I'm a big chick. You know, I'm tall. I'm big, I'm, I have a large frame. And so I would get very self-conscious about that and so on and so forth. And I have to say, and this isn't to dissuade anyone in their 20s from thinking they can't find love or happiness, but just my journey was is that I really didn't, my 20s were a big year of learning and just experiencing. And then by the time I was in my 30s, which is, is a decade that I think a lot of 20s dread because they get nervous about getting older, you, I just, and I think a lot of people can say this, I think you can say this, you just get very, very comfortable with who you are. Yeah. And you get very, very less apologetic about it. And I think you get a lot more proud about it. Um, so at the time, I very much wanted to meet someone. I still wanted to meet someone. But me doing that workshop, the workshop was more important to me. Right. I've also been a chick where I'm not like... And, and a lot of people will disagree with me on this and, and, and I can completely understand where they're coming from, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I just do what feels comfortable for me. So I don't try very much, meaning, you know, I'm not, I'm not always putting on makeup to go mm -hmm. out and I'm not dressing to the nines if right. I think I'm going to be in a social situation where I can meet a guy. I never, ever was like that. And maybe that was part of the reason why I was single for so long. I don't know. But it was just very important for me to do with what I'm comfortable with. Because I think if you don't, it's really hard to put your authentic self forward. And you're too busy caring about keeping up with something that you're not really about. That's interesting. And I, I want to say this without um, shaming anyone for any choices they make about their appearance because everyone's body is their body and they should do whatever they want. But I do notice with the trend of uh, plastic surgery, mm. hair extensions, eyelash extensions, all these outward additions to kind of make people look more like the images they're seeing on Instagram and all that, which none of those images are real as we know. I am always like, I just think if you're trying to be an image that you've seen rather than yourself, you're never going to live up to that image. You're a copy of a copy of a copy, you know, and no amount of artificial additions on the outside is going to make you that image. So instead, why don't you figure out who you really are, which I know is easier said than done, but 
rather than just spending your time trying to emulate this beauty ideal that you're really never going to reach because your eyelashes aren't going to be longer. Your hair is not going to be fuller. Like you can add those artificial things, but I think that, you know, when we do that for both men and women, what people who would potentially be interested in us are picking up on is an amount of insincerity and an amount of uncomfortableness with who we are. And trying to be someone else and it's like if we're putting so much energy into being something that we're not they don't know who they're going to end up dating are they going to date the thing we're trying to be are they going to date us who is us whereas if you can be like yeah I have a little stomach pooch and I, I don't wear makeup all the time or my eyelashes are short or whatever it's like at least people are seeing what they're going to get as opposed to seeing you trying to be this whole other thing that you're never going to be because you you aren't you were born as you are and it's just something I've been thinking about a lot because I do see it a lot of women just thinking, not just women, but I will say largely women, the more things I do to myself, this way I'll be what guys want. Guys don't want that perfect image on Instagram. They want someone who's comfortable in their own skin. And if it makes you comfortable in your own skin to get eyelash extensions, go for it. But if you're doing it because you think you need to live up to this ideal of what people want, I would say that's the wrong reason. Yeah, and I, and I think to piggyback what you just said is there even the people that that are the, your beauty ideals, be it um, one of the Kardashians or wh- whomever. I don't know. I don't. I don't care about that stuff, and I don't follow it. But I know it's important to a lot of people, uh, so I don't want to negate it. The, the people you look up to, they're not done either, mm. and it's this ongoing thing that just totally. never ends. Yes. And I just feel like it's very unhealthy and it's very dangerous because. They're constantly doing stuff to themselves because they 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 can't they they're unable to be satisfied, and what social media has done is not only perpetuated that and kind of made us uh, made people very addicted to uh, a number of things. They also um, they're also chasing dopamine. You know, these right. people are, and a lot of us do it. We chase the dopamine. Um, and these app developers know that, but that's a whole different episode. But um, so so these beauty ideals that you have, you think that they're satisfied. They're not. Mm-mm. They're constantly yeah. looking to change themselves. They're constantly looking to, to, to stay pretty or be prettier. And they're constantly posting faces of themselves online, just faces of themselves mm-hmm. um, for the 12th time in that day, mm-hmm. just, just for their own dopamine satisfaction. Um, and I will say too, like, you know, I look at people's Instagram, of course, and, and, and we have to be aware of the fact that when you're going to go on a date with someone, even though I'm doing my part to discourage it, people look each other up. They want to see their Instagram. They want to see what they're getting into. They want to see. And I think when someone's feed is mostly pictures of themselves, it does not read as a very secure person. I'm mm-hmm. like, go do activities. Take a picture of a beautiful sunset or whatever, something funny. Whatever it is, but just pictures of your... It's kind of like, what are you... You don't have to sell yourself. You're not a product. You don't have to keep improving the product. You just need to be who you are. And people respond so much more to that. And I think that that's a large reason why, too. Like, you know, I'll hear a lot like, well, I've done this and I've done that. And why doesn't he still like me? I'm trying... And it's when you're trying to fit yourself into a mold, you're never going to fit in that mold and you're just going to come across uncomfortable and insecure. So I think, and I know it's easier said than done to like accept who you are and love yourself for whatever it is, but it's true. It's just, if you don't, it's going to be a never ending cycle. You're never going to feel good enough. Even if you get a partner out of it, you're never going to feel good enough if you decide that's what gives you value and that's what people want to see and that's what you care about. And I, 
Go ahead. I think that's a, and I think that's a segue into what we were going to talk about because uh, I think you bring all that, as our people say, Mishigas, you bring all that crazy and, you know, and I, and I say that with peace and love into the bedroom. Yeah. You know, I, when I used to do stand up, I had a bit where I went through all of the steps that we go through to, to appear attractive and sexy on a date. Mm. So, you know, yes. we, we wax our legs, we, we shave other parts, we get facials, we do our shampoo or hair three times with different scents. We put on bath and body lotions. We have put on tons of lip gloss and I go through all this and all this and you're so exhausted and you're like, do I really want to suck a dick at this point? <laughs> um, and you don't want to mess Also, I don't want to mess up my makeup. I don't want to mess anything Have you ever noticed that when you get all dressed up for a night out or a date, you end up looking like, way worse at the end of the day than you do when you haven't done anything because you're like you put on so much extra makeup and you like squeeze yourself into this outfit and whatever and then you're like mascara is running down your face and you're like I ate pasta and now I can't fit in this outfit anymore whereas if you start at zero you really have nowhere to fall you, got to, nowhere you know to, no, there's no I as I work from home now I wear less and less makeup and I I feel great about it <laughs> I agree I'm like, no one needs to see me looking good anymore. It's great. I mean, I'll, I'll do it occasionally, but for you, mostly. I do it for you. I, you look stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, wait, one more thing about the way you met your husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you met him, You the phone sock. I also remember some sort of avocado anecdote. Oh yeah, this is genius. So listen, um, I like I like I, I wanted to dip mini carrots and baby carrots into my avocado. So you just peel off the top of the avocado. You leave the bottom on so you could hold it. And th- why are you smiling? It's not. Yeah. I think this is genius. <laughs> no and then one you does dip this the ca- mm-hmm. because it's genius. It's and genius. Clearly, clearly, a very an innovative thought. And then you dip the carrot in. The avocado. Don't try to do a straight face. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then and then you dip the baby carrot in the avocado, and there you go. And he saw me eating that, and he just thought I was the quirkiest person in the world, which he thought was adorable. Which you are. Well, I am a little quirky. So, yeah. and then how did it go about? How'd you guys end up going out? Because you asked him. I asked so, him out. this wedding. <gasps> Wait, this is uh, important. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Uh, and he knew that's when I liked him. And he, I'm the extrovert, he's the introvert. Mm-hmm. So uh, although he felt very comfortable with me, so when the workshop ended, we still texted one another here and there. And How did I, you get each other's numbers? Oh, well, at the so the workshop, uh, this particular stand-up workshop, it was several hours a day, both Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So there was a lot of time that all of For all multiple of us, Saturdays and Sundays? No, just, just this one, one weekend. weekend. Okay. And, uh, there was, so there was a lot of time that we all spent with one another. So by the end of the weekend, and you had a performance at the end of the weekend, by the end of that, we all felt very, we all felt very chummy. And uh, I think a bunch of us just traded numbers. I don't, but it was clear that we had something More. going on. The sock and the avocado and all. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. I mean, it really is. It you is, it is, it is. I'm jealous. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so you had each other's numbers. Yeah. And then what? We were texting a little bit, and then, um, and then I just asked him, you know, uh, are you, f- are you free on Sunday? You want to hang out? And he was like, sure. And he left me a long voicemail of uh, all the things he was willing to do that Sunday because we wow. hadn't decided yet what we were going to do. 
And he's just like, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this. The only thing I won't do is eat pineapple. Wow. He hates pineapple. Wow. I, I it's, it's very strange. It is strange. Yeah. I love pineapple. So we didn't eat pineapple, mm-hmm. but we, uh, we decided on the Museum of Natural History. This is in New York City. And then we went to Junior's in Times Square after. And then oh. I kissed him. I was very, yeah. How did you kiss him? I actually announced it. I oh. said, I'm going to kiss you now. I love this. <laughs> we, were at, uh, we were at this fountain, which was in between our subway trains. Also, I want to say you are taller than him. Yes, that's another. Oh, good Very thing. Because a lot of chicks, or maybe, and I'm sure men too, have issues about about that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I am a few inches taller than him. This isn't. I'm not. I'm not just slightly taller. And I was. I think it's important to note that I was someone who, if the guy was eye level with me, was I considered him too short. And if I can say anything, I think it's important for everyone to remember that, you know, these checklists we have about who the future Mr. and Mrs. is going to be is very, uh, it's very limiting because you really don't know what package your happiness is going to come in. Uh. And I think it's important that you just, you, you really understand that you're, you're only taking away from yourself if you don't allow that package to be something against what you think it's going to be. Oh my God, I love that so much. Because I always thought I was going to marry a Viking. You know, yeah, Paul Bunyan or yes. something, mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm 5'10 and everything. But yeah, he is shorter than me. So anyway, so... Uh, we you were at the fountain. We were at the fountain. It was mm-hmm. diagonally across from Radio City, and it was in between our two trains, and we were saying goodnight, and I announced the kiss, and we kissed, and it was a wonderful kiss. And three and a half liter, years later, that's where he proposed. Ugh! Right. Lovely. And what I also love, I remember you telling me this, and I, I don't really remember the context, but... You guys were living, you were in Brooklyn and he, he was, was in, in Queens. You were in Queens. He was in Brooklyn. Yeah. And so it was hard for you because you also both worked, had full-time jobs. So it was hard for you to always go to each other's houses. So you would meet in Manhattan a lot and do activities, yes. which kind of kept the sexual tension alive yeah. and, and meant that you weren't spending days just watching Netflix together. Right. You were really getting to know each other in the city and it always had to be kind of fun and interesting and make out in bars and that kind of thing. And I, I love that. I think that was a really great tidbit I took. Oh, I didn't, I never realized that, but that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of times people will very quickly get to the, I want to be comfortable place or like, you know, guys will try to invite women on the second or third date. Why don't you just come over and we'll order in or whatever. And we want to be accommodating and that's nice. But I think then you kind of too quickly get comfortable and bored together and there's not much more to find out. Whereas if you, it doesn't always have to be a crazy activity, but you could just meet somewhere and walk around or just do things to kind of still keep it spicy in the beginning. Yeah. And I also think you you have to really just enjoy, you have to enjoy life outside the two of you. Right. And well, you and have, you told me that too, of like seeing each other in the world and yeah. Yeah. And, and, and interacting with your friends. And you know, if, if you're a couple that becomes a hermit, it's, it's going to cause problems down the line, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But being able to enjoy things outside of the home together is I think really important for the couple. And sure, you, it keeps, it keeps things uh, exciting, but also I think it's important that for the well-roundedness of your, just your life. Forget about your, your relationship, just your life that you do things with one another. And you guys still do. I mean, you have a new baby and, you know, you've had a lot going on, but I still see that, you know, you're like, we had a Sunday off together, so we went to this park and this animal sanctuary. And I'm like, wow, they're still going. They, oh, yeah. You guys do all sorts of fun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always having fun adventures. They also have a very, 
I would say playful relationship full of youthful energy. You guys love <laughs> Disney and all, you know, just not in a not in a disparaging way because I know I've been disparaging about Disney in the past, but you 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 both are in touch with your quirks and your individual interests and you kind of support each other through them. And what I also love is sometimes your husband, he loves what? Like metal, metal concert, rock. Something. Hip-hop? He's always going to. He's a big. Hip-hop. He's a, he's, a, oh, he's uh, always yeah. going to like concerts. Yeah. And you sometimes you go, but sometimes you're like, that's his thing. He does his thing. He has his hip hop improv show. He does his things, and you have your things. And I think that's really nice too, is that you guys love to do stuff together, but you're also really good about giving each other your independent time and interests. Yeah, and we're not threatened by it. No, not at all. I mean, granted, we're many years in, but we're not we're not threatened by it. And I think we learned early on that dragging each other to something that we didn't want to do just for the sake of showing up as a couple mm-hmm. and just for the sake of appearances was detrimental because one of us would be in a in a bad mood and have a puss on our face. And granted, there are those occasions where you have to put your big big boy or big girl pants on and and you know be like, okay, I need to be at Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. with. His or her family. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you don't have to do everything together. Like I have friends who they drag their husbands and boyfriends to go food shopping. And I'm just like, why? You yeah. can't food shop by yourself? Yeah. Food he shop he by hates yourself. it. And you hate it. Why do you both have to be miserable? Just good. I don't know. Those kinds of I'm, I'm yeah. very strong opinions. I'm very judgmental. So those kinds <laughs> no, of things really. Well, uh, and that goes to show too that, you know, I, I'm very against the whole concept of well, we have to have these things in common. I'm like, you have to have one or two things you can enjoy together, definitely. But you can also have separate interests and separate things you like doing, and that's okay. And that's going to allow for some really nice like space in your relationship. For example, my boyfriend is playing video games loudly in the room next door right now, and I will never join him. But I support him. It's his alone time. It's actually his time with his friends. And so I'm like, go talk to your friends, because that's what he does. Anyway, that was it. My husband loves video games, but he loves when I watch. Really? <laughs> I think, he, but but as corny as it sounds, I think he just likes my company. Well, of and course. I don't, and I don't care. So I, 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 I just sit there and, watch, and I'll yeah. play Candy Crush while he plays Aww, his video games. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay, so then what did you, so then we segued, we came back. What, and you, you came on here with something specific you wanted to talk about. Yes, so. yes, 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 yes. So I, um, I think... Even though I'm married, um, and I know that this is a really great um, podcast for people who are looking for love and how to have these healthy relationships and making the right decisions and not self-sabotaging, I think an important thing is sex positivity. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think I make the mistake of assuming that... um, it only affects women, but I wouldn't be surprised if it also affects men. My experience is with conversations with my girlfriends, mm-hmm. and it's really unfortunate that I th- and it's got, it's obviously gotten better. I mean, I, I think almost to the point where things are a little too over sexualized. I mean, I'll watch a music video and I have to turn it off because I'm like, there's this is just porn. leaves nothing to the imagination. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> but I think uh, I think uh, I'd love to discuss with you because I'd love to get your thoughts on um, how important it is to be okay with the vulnerability that comes with being in the bedroom, mm. the um, how okay it is to admit 
you masturbate and you enjoy it, how okay it is to ask for what you need in the bedroom, um, to not be ashamed of these things. I have girlfriends in my life that either don't and or have never masturbated. I've got I know too many women that have never had an orgasm and wow. are well into their 30s. I have friends who just are very uncomfortable talking about it. And it's clearly a cultural thing that started when they were, you know, it's all shame-based. So it started when they were born just by society. I did not, I have never been ashamed of, of sex or my sexuality, which is weird because I grew up in a household where my mother was very prudish. So meaning that like, she never let me watch anything where people even hugged. Wow. I, mean, it was, I might as well have been raised by someone who was in, a, you know, it was like an Amish household. Which is crazy because I usually think we Jews are pretty good about our sexuality. Like we're pretty, we think sex is a good thing. It's a mitzvah. Having sex on Shabbat is a double mitzvah. Did you know that? I, I did um, know that. It's a mitzvah for men to go down on their wives. So... I'm a little surprised your mom was so... I think maybe, uh, ironically enough, she wasn't religious enough to get into the whole... Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So she had a lot of, she had a lot of hang-ups about it. Well, she had, you know, probably just some traditional American upbringing oh, affecting yeah. her. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you know, not that, I'm, not that I'm saying people need to be or should be promiscuous, not at all, but it makes me nervous if you're... And uh, listen, I've got strong opinions and judgments, okay? So... We're not judging your judgments. uh, Well, maybe you should. But it makes me nervous when you marry or or, uh, settle down with the first or even the second. Dare I say the third person you've slept with? I will say my guess is that's less of a thing than it used to be. Mm -hmm. I know it is still a thing. I, as you know, firmly believe that people should sleep around for all of their 20s before getting engaged or married. It's different for everyone, but I think it's a really important thing. But I also think like there's something happening now and I I can speak from my own experience of like also just sleeping around doesn't necessarily accomplish what you're talking about because it's very easy to sleep around, but never say a word about what you want and never actually enjoy it. I found in my sleeping around time that I would sleep around, but I wasn't really getting much out of it because... Well, I feel like I need to be pretty comfortable with the person to speak up for what I want and sure. to like talk to them. I need to have emotional feelings for them and trust them. So it's like this interesting, how do we get comfortable being vulnerable with someone that we're not necessarily going to date or be with long term? That was always a struggle for me. So I'm curious, like you say you were very naturally sexually comfortable and open. You don't know how you got that way or, or do you have I suggestions don't. for how people could kind of bridge that, get there. I think wine helps, but not too much. <laughs> Glass or two is good. That'll do yeah. I mean, I think there should be, I think there's less and less shame about sex toys in the bedroom. If that's what you need, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the guy isn't pleasing you. That just means you need something extra. Um, but how, kind of how, like, what What would you say to, to help people kind of get there? Well, I, I think that if you're if you're with someone that you like enough, I think, I think people want to be turned on in the bedroom. I think everybody, regardless of how they go about being a lover, I think everyone wants to be turned on in the bedroom. And I don't think any partner is going to be bummed out if 
you suggest ways that you can get more turned on. Now, I think that there's a, there's, there's could be speculation that, well, is he or she going to then think that I'm insulting them? No, I think you, you have. You mean by giving direction? By giving direction. Well, and I think to add to your, everyone wants to be turned on, everyone wants their partner to be turned on. Yeah. Everyone, it's the biggest turn on to know that you're turning your partner on. So yes. if there is something you can do, or the person you're with can do to help you, they want to know because it's going to be sexy to them that you're turned on. Yes. Yeah. And I think as, as, as cliche or corny as this sounds, I think it starts with the person. So The I person th- who needs the, something. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, think, I think if you're someone who doesn't feel comfortable with their own bodies and exploring their own bodies and seeing what feels good for you, it's going to be very hard for you to do that with someone else. Now, can I ask you something? Yeah. You mentioned you're very tall. You have a larger frame. Yeah. So for some people, I can imagine, especially with the beauty standards that are out yeah. there now... It would be hard to be comfortable totally because they're like, I don't look like an Instagram, right. whatever. Right. So was that ever an issue for you? Oh, yeah. Because I, you know, I, I I, had a bunch of scruples. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the company of men in um, during the time when I was single. And I, it was always lights off and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm okay with that. And I'll tell you why. Because I think if we, if we only strive for feeling confident all the time. We're going to set ourselves up for failure. There's something really, this is going to sound kind of dorky probably, but there's something really beautiful about being human. So when we have those moments, whether you want to call it weakness, I don't think it's weakness, but when you have those 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 instances where it's going to be, um, you're just going to have a normal reaction like of insecurity because you're with someone you barely know, that's okay. I think that's fine. I think just as long as you get to what you want to do. So I'll paint you a picture. If I'm with a guy that I know I'm never going to see again, and I want to use him for the night, mm-hmm. and he's using me for the night, mm-hmm. and it's an agreement that's that's unspoken, um, and I'm feeling insecure about my body, I'm okay with that because I'm still getting what I want. Right. I know that like I don't need to feel secure. I'm still going to you know, do the, do the deed and, and enjoy it. So you take the attention off of what does he think about me? And you're like, I'm going to get something That's out right. of this regardless. That's right. But, but I do have moments that I, I did have moments of, of, of feeling that way often. And it was, it didn't bother me because what, what was, what was bigger to me was what, what am I getting out of this evening? And, and it was always, you know, I like that. Yeah. I like that even how it applies to just dating, not even necessarily going home with someone, but rather than what does he think of me? What, what's the future here? What is this? What is that? Just like, what can I get out of this? How can I enjoy myself? How can I walk away and say, I had a good time regardless of what he's doing basically, you know, I would have lots of girlfriends come to me and they would be very concerned about men going down on them because they were concerned about smells and appearances. And I have to say, ladies, and and men for that matter, if if there is an issue down there, most likely they're not going to care. They're not going to notice. And if they do, guess what? You're human. It's not a big deal. How many times have you put your face in a place that you're like, this needs a little help, Mm. but you still were like, okay. Yeah. If you're into the person, you're like, all right, whatever. And if it's really bad and you're really into the person, eventually you tell them. Yeah. 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 So, so we have a lot of Mm hangups and I feel like it gets in the way of, of, 
of our enjoyment. And nine times out of 10, the other person, the other person doesn't care. But I think the other, when, when you asked about how you get over perhaps some shame that you have, Mm -hmm. I think if we all have, I'm sure we all have at least one person in our life that makes us feel totally comfortable when we're talking to them where they're not being judged. You. Oh, everybody. I'm going to give you all my email at the end of the show. Everybody be my friend. Yes. But, but interestingly enough, a lot of my girlfriends would come to me because I never felt like I never embarrassed them Mm -hmm. by my reactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. If you can hopefully everyone has that one person that they can talk to, to make them feel like, no, that's completely normal or no, you're completely fine. And I remember um, I had a girlfriend who was never had an orgasm and she was starting to really, it was starting to really bother her. She's been a marriage. She married the, um, her high school sweetheart Ugh. and they were each other's first. Mm-hmm. So their sex life was not, she was not satisfied and he, they barely had it and blah, blah, blah. So she was starting to want to explore I'm like, all right, let's go to a sex shop. And she just, you could tell that she just felt such relief because she was so scared to do something like that or even suggest doing something like that. And there's really, I know it's easier said than done, but there is nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. There is, and this, this isn't, I'm only speaking to the women out there. There is a part on a woman's body that's only purposes for sexual pleasure. True. So this is something that's absolutely natural. And absolutely necessary. I think so. I definitely think so. I mean, I I think you just, you kind of need that release. And you also need to know that you're going to get, you're going to get something out of it. Like you said, you know. And there's nothing, there's, there's, and there's all different ways to go there, especially nowadays. And, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you enjoy porn. There's all different kinds of porn. Mm-hmm. There's very scary offensive porn, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. out there. But there's also, you know, everyone, it's it's actually fun to talk about what porn people are into. It's pretty mm. hilarious because some people are into cappy porn. What is so, that? Oh, it's when um, you have a, well, it's clearly staged, but there's... Um, you get in a cab and you, oh, oops, I don't have any money. Oh, no. Well, I'll get you to where Cabby you need to go porn. as long as you get me to where I need to go. I love that. That <laughs> <laughs> really changes New York City for me. Oh, my goodness. No, but I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I, I do think as much as I disparage the Internet, uh, if people for some reason feel shy or, or alone or like they don't have someone they can talk to like that, I do think that is maybe one good use for the internet is like, what do I do if my labia looks like this? Don't go down the WebMD hole, but to know that you're not alone, I think so many sexual issues, questions, problems, just to find that there are other people and then make sure you're looking at a reputable source and all that. But, But just to know you're not alone, like pretty much any issue you can have someone's had before. And you're not alone. And whoever you're with is probably, like you said, not really going to care that much. When people get into like the sexual space of things, everything goes out the window. No one cares that you have an extra flab or like extra what whatever it is. People don't, once they're turned on, it's like everything becomes sexy, you know? And it's like there's very little except for someone being an asshole um, or not asking about certain things that can really take you out of it or turn you off if you're into someone. Absolutely. I I absolutely agree with you. And I, and I, and I think just a a quick story that, um, I think might help a lot of your listeners. 
if they're having any of these kinds of issues is when I was with my, I I don't I never here's here's the interesting thing I would love sex mm-hmm. but I would never have orgasms mm-hmm. which I also want to say is fine and while I believe orgasms are very important I also don't think we need to end game it so if you're not having one every time that's okay too if it just feels good to you and you like it and you're enjoying yourself you don't you can take the pressure off of the orgasm I think absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely it was clear to me though that I was having some sort of mental block Mm -hmm. so a lot of us are in therapy and I strongly suggest if this is an issue of yours so if it is something you want to address, talk to your therapist about it. I had a, my therapist at the time when I discussed this with him, he was probably in his 60s, a straight male. You know, um, people would say maybe I would have been more comfortable talking about it with a female. But I'm like, no, this is my therapist and this is what he's here for. And I, and he's a professional. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm, I'm with the guy I'm probably going to marry and, and I want to be able to have orgasm with him. I don't orgasm with partners. And he goes, well, do you orgasm by yourself? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, well, then everything works, right? Um, He said, so this is, and he said something that changed everything. And you and I have talked about it. He said, um, he goes, and this is about trust. Hmm. Because that's another big issue that happens in the bedroom is we don't trust the person we're with. We think they're going to judge us because Mm -hmm. when, if you have an orgasm, do you look funny? Do you sound funny? It's, it's, it's your ultimate moment of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, pretty much, uh, you know, a a monster could be running down the hallways. And if you're in mid mid orgasm, they're just going to have to run down the hallway. You're not going to stop them. Uh, So it's, it's this moment of vulnerability. And if you don't, if you have issues with trusting who you're with, it's going to be really hard for you to just let go, let go of your hangups, let go of how you look, how you smell, how you, how you feel, how you sound. And once that registered in my head, it was a game changer. Wow. It was a game changer. And it, it, it made things to say a hundred times better is probably an understatement. So, Trust is a very, very big theme with that uh, when it comes to another person in the bedroom with you ongoing. But again, if you have a therapist, they're professionals. Right. You, you should be able, you to, should talk be able to, to about talk to them about this. Question about the trust thing, because I hear you. I also, so there's two things. One, sometimes people will be judgmental when they have sex with someone for the first time and it isn't great. And to that, I would say, to your point, trust hasn't been built yet. And so, obviously, you were a little uncomfortable. They might have been a little uncomfortable. That takes time. So that's why I always say, you know, wait a little to have sex just so you know if it's not great that you're you're going to have the chance to work on it and you'll have the chance to build up trust with this person and you don't immediately lose interest. But then I would also ask you, like, for people who... Because I talk to a lot of people who have been hurt or who have had someone ghost on them, which is a recurring theme, or, you know have reasons not to trust people how do you get to the point of trusting someone if it's the first time you're having sex and in your past experiences when you've had sex with someone they've disappeared so you think that's going to happen or you know what I'm saying like how because you were in a loving relationship so the idea of trusting him was very much in your control sure and was reasonable for you because you were like this person obviously loves me he's not going anywhere I can do this. What would you say to someone who has, you know, who's had not great experiences in the past with that? Um, I would say that you can't manufacture trust. Um, 
it's either going to be there or it isn't going to be there. So you can't force yourself to trust someone. So if you're at a place where you're not there yet, but mm-hmm. you still want to have a good experience, mm-hmm. I think you need to go in there. You, you need to, it's about confidence. It's a, It's going back to what we were talking about earlier about mm-hmm. being comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like what I was saying before that I would have hangups about what I'd look without mm-hmm. my clothes on. But at the same time, I'm like, I want this. Right. You know, I I I wanna I wanna have sex with this person because I want to get mine. Mm. So so it, it it's it's um so look at that as being very empowering. Yeah. So it's okay if you don't trust right away. You can still have a good experience as long as you are you realize you're not doing this for the other person. You're doing this for you. You I know, love like that. I have a daughter and I hope she enjoys the pleasure of people before she settles down. Mm-hmm. However, I don't like when I hear high schoolers, especially girls going all over and, and sleeping around, not because they they should be more ladylike, but because the female anatomy, it's harder to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. You know, these boys are getting off, they're having pleasure. Mm-hmm. I feel like girls, they, they don't they don't have enough experience with their bodies to know how to how to manipulate certain things or do certain things. It's not a, it, they, too, too often they're doing it for someone to like them or they're doing yeah. it to be accepted. It's a performance. I used to definitely have sex as a performative thing, as a like, look how sexy I am, which I think in the beginning is somewhat normal, mm-hmm. but I love what you're saying in terms of not thinking of sex as a carrot to dangle or a prize to give away or something that is for them to get from us in right. exchange for hopefully they'll stick around but if we can go into when we decide to have sex with someone i'm here for a good time and i'm here for me to get something out of it and they're going to give me something i also think this has only recently and i know people say this all the time of like make sure in most situations that the person with the clitoris comes first because once the guy comes and please forgive me for any gender stuff i'm doing wrong i'm just it's it's you know, you know what I'm basically saying. But once once guys come, they have a refractory period. They usually lose interest. They get sleepy. Whatever it is, it's a biological response. So they're not going to be great at giving you an orgasm once they're done, unless they're very remarkable. Which is why I think women need to kind of fight for their organ. They shouldn't have to fight, but they should prioritize theirs and prioritize their experience first. Make sure they're going to have a good time, so they aren't left high and dry, feeling like. This guy got something from me and I didn't get anything. Like once, also like, as we said, there's nothing sexier than seeing someone turned on. I don't know any guy who would lose interest in making you come, especially if he hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be fully invested in your orgasm. And you don't have to take that as pressure to have one. That doesn't have to rush it to get to his. But that can just be like, no, I'm here to get something first. And this way, no matter what happens, I got something out of it. I had a good time. Absolutely. And I think that, is there's both biological reasons for that and emotional reasons for that. Because then we can know that we're not just being used, as it were, you know? Right. And I think that's what you do in place of if there is trust, if there isn't trust built yet, that's what you do. You realize I'm here for me. Mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm here for me. I'm not here to make you like me. I'm not here to make you find me more attractive. Um, I'm not here to, to um, make sure you stay. I'm here for me. This is I'm. This is a selfish moment for me. And if you get something out of it, 
kudos to you. That's great too. Wow. And I, and I also think you said something earlier that's important for people to know is just because you don't have sexual compatibility right out of the gate doesn't mm. mean you won't. Right. Love that. It, 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 it absolutely, that, that, that should never, ever, ever be a deal breaker, ever be a deal breaker because that can easily be changed because yes. people are flip flopping around. They don't know the buttons yet. They don't know what feels good for you. There's nerves. There's a whole bunch of things going on. You know, this all ties into what I was just saying about trust and vulnerability because, you know, we're at our most vulnerable, especially if we like the person. You know, if it's a one night stand, there's not too much vulnerability. Right. Never seeing them again. Right. But um, when it's with someone you like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So if things aren't compatible right away, don't think there isn't hope and don't think he or she is bad in bed. Yeah. That don't. They've learned on someone else or their previous partner didn't teach them anything or told them they liked something that wasn't good, which. The moment we can all stop doing that, we will stop creating bad habits. Like if something doesn't feel good with your partner, tell them, yes. you know, but so they've learned in other places. And I agree with you completely. Like sexual compatibility is learned. Yes. Once in a while, it's this instant, amazing connection. Sure. But that's not what we should really be seeking in a long-term partner. Also, I find now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, probably most of my instant connections are like really, really great over the moon right away sexual experiences were with people that I didn't give a shit about because I was able to be more vulnerable because I had nothing to lose. I think the more I care about someone, the harder it is for me to be vulnerable because I'm like, what if they don't like it? And then I lose them. Whereas like a guy I know I'm not going to date that I'm basically using for sex. I'm like, what the fuck do I care? Do what I say, you know, and I'm going to lie here and enjoy it. I wish, I think there must be a way of tricking yourself if you're struggling with this with someone you care about who's important to you into... This is a one night stand. I don't give a shit about this person and allowing that to kind of empower you and open you up. Sure. That, sure. I, that, that would be, that would be, a, that would be great if you could. That would yes. be great if you could. Yes. But, and that, and that kind of confirms the whole trust issue. But you reminded me of something that I think is very important and I want to say it loud and clear. And listen, who the hell am I? Your you listeners. Are a goddess. The, sure. Yes. The majority of your listeners, if not, nearly all of them don't know me so who am i for them to listen to but i'm telling you right now people i want you to listen i want you to listen good okay stop with the faking orgasm please Mm. for the love of god because that is what when you say they're learning from someone else somebody lied to you Mm -hmm. and told you that what you're doing with your thumb and your pinky and your toe (laughs) on my bits works it doesn't you right. know there's this feeling and that we have to make the person we're with feel better mm. we have to take care of them and i see this more from women and it's 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 absolutely absolutely detrimental and unhealthy so then these 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 guys leave and they think that they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and they don't you're not helping anyone and mm-hmm. i used to have a stand up bit about this because then they come to my bedroom <laughs> And now I have to be honest with them and tell them. I've I don't I've never faked an orgasm. I don't I don't believe in it. None of my partners have been I mean, I guess some of them have been bummed about it, but it's just like I don't know what to tell you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you a gold star if you didn't earn it. Yes. And that doesn't mean you were bad. I enjoyed myself, but please, please stop faking it. And and especially, especially if you're in a monogamous relationship mm. because you are hurting your sex yeah. life. You are really hurting your I sex life. I recently talked to a girl who faked it for like the first four years of oh my her gosh. relationship. And then she decided somehow that she should stop faking it. And obviously they were still doing the same stuff. So the boyfriend was like, what happened? 
you know, because he had no idea it had been fake the whole time. And then she she got through it. I don't I don't know if she ever told him that she had been faking it, but she basically just decided to start telling him what she really needed and wanted. Good. But it was like an adjustment period, obviously, because for four years she'd been faking it. But it's like, don't even go down that road. I mean, I'm really glad she ended up doing what she did. And now, you know, they use a vibrator in sex and like now she but but it was a weird moment of her having to be like and I think it's because they started dating too when she was very young and then you know four years later she was like wait a minute I'm not actually getting anything out of this and I need to change that and then it was having to adjust to each other but your partner whether for the night or for the next 10 years is going to want you to experience pleasure with them whether they have to use a vibrator their foot their mouth the pillow, whatever. They want to know. And no one's not going to be turned on by that. And if they are bothered by something you need for your orgasm, goodbye. Like you found out now. Good for you, you know? Yeah. Dan Savage, one of my favorite people to reference, always is talking about how guys, when it comes to their orgasm, if they need like to sit on a banana, tie a string around their toe, be sliding down a slide and have you mooing like a cow, they'll tell you so they can have their orgasm. Yeah. And for some reason, women, for the most part, are not able, we're like, no, I don't want yeah, right. yeah, I want him to think he's in it. And yeah. it's like, guys wouldn't stop and think for a second. If there's something they need for their orgasm, they're going to get it. Yeah. It's our nurture yeah. sensibilities yeah. of taking care of the other person without right. taking care of ourselves. And and this is why I never understood. And, and well, I clearly understand that it's a power thing when there would be all this talk about like, who you know, this, these guys' conquests about having these virgins. I'm like, why the hell, male or female, would you want a virgin? Right. Where did you hear this? This sounds very old school. Yeah, no, it is. Or even in, in even it is old school. And even in other cultures, um, uh, where you know, uh, they're promised virgins. Oh they, yeah. You know, okay. it, it's mm-hmm. it's just it. I and not that there's anything wrong with virgins. I'm just no. saying that there's there's something to be said about it, being able to 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 know what works for your body yeah. and being able to to communicate it. And I and I I'm really happy that your friend had no pun intended that happy ending mm-hmm. because that's tricky. Four yeah. years is a is a long time. And listen, I. It's not an absolute, you know, for anyone who's a, who can see where I'm coming from and see that there might be some some value in it. If you if you need to just get it going and you need to fake an orgasm because you're like, well, we've been at it for a while. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I'm about to miss, you know, uh, Gentleman Jack. We gotta, <laughs> have you been watching that show no. on HBO? Should I? Everyone, I, I have no affiliation with HBO. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, this isn't a TV plugging show. So let's get back to the point. <laughs> Uh, but but if you have to fake it in order to move stuff along, like once in a blue moon, okay, because I think that's why some people do it, to just get it over with. But uh, even then, it's like, there has to be another way than being like, yes, I orgasmed when you didn't, because then it just becomes this easy crutch. Yes. And you just get in the habit of it. You know, there must be a way. What could you do? You could say to the person like, this feels great. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Well, I, I, I have. I yeah. have more or less. You can also that. make noises as if you were about to <laughs> without actually saying I did. So you technically didn't fake it. You just made the noises because sometimes the noises get them to the place and then you can be done and then you can go watch your TV show. Right. Um, but without saying I had an orgasm. And then if they ask you, because sometimes they ask, 
I always say no if I didn't. Sure. You know, I'm like, no. Even if they think I did, because okay. like that's fine. Yeah, I'm like no, and and sometimes they need to be told too that you're like, but that's okay. I still had a good time. You know, it's like a massage still feels good, even though we don't come after it. Sure, you know. So the sex, as long as you're feeling good and having a good time, I'm fine with whatever. Yeah, and another another method about if if you know it's not going to happen for you, mm-hmm. but you want it to happen for them. Mm is do what needs to be done because we all if you're if you're in a relationship you probably know the certain moves that are just gonna it's gonna be mm-hmm. curtains for your partner yeah. which is great um so you do, you, you you go that step and they're mm-hmm. like oh wait but what about you and you're like it's you know like, i'm okay tonight no we're good and, the, and listen and they'll be like all right you know yeah, they, yeah. or they should but be. that's fine i mean i think i also want to um we have to finish soon which is so sad because i'm having such a good time but I want to toot the wonderfulness of mutual masturbation as well. Ooh, good one. Because that can really take the pressure off of orgasm needs to happen from sex. That can go, and then they can also, you know, it's kind of like a cheat sheet for them. Because if they're not figuring out, they can see what you do and figure that out. And then you're, you're kind of together and it's still very sexy, but it's like you both are going to get what you need around the same time they get to kind of get a peek into your world if you're not comfortable talking about it quite yet and you don't need to feel the pressure that it's got to happen from sex and i think that that can be really helpful as well you bring up a really really good point um and and to say this before we have to have to end you know we're talking to the audience as if as as if they're they have the perspective of the person who is having maybe a little bit of a struggle Mm -hmm. right Let's also address the people who know they're with someone who's mm. having a bit of struggle. Mm-hmm. What you can really do for that person, like for what you're saying with mutual masturbation, is make them feel like it's the hottest thing, mm-hmm. that you're turned on, that this is a, you know, as as cliche as it sounds, that this is a safe place where they can do whatever, you're not going to judge, and you're just going to be turned on by it. Mm-hmm. Because I think the more comfortable you make your partner, if you if you know that they're struggling or they come from shame or they don't have a lot of experience and they're a little uptight and they have hangups and they want, you know, all the shutters closed and everything, the more you make them feel accepted and comfortable and confident, the more they're just going to be able to let go of right. all that stuff. Well, and I think if, if things are not working in a sense... It also can be really helpful to kind of take their hand or whatever and put it on themselves and say, show me or Mm. you do it or something like that to make them comfortable doing that and knowing that their pleasure is priority. It's not about who gives it to them or where it comes from. You know, it's just that that they get there and you want them to get there however they can. Yeah. And all of that said, you know, us both being nurturers, um, I, I understand, like, for nurturers, and women are largely nurturers, that it's hard to prioritize your own pleasure. And I think that's when you have to say, similar to in dating, this is what I always say, is, like, sometimes the mo- the best way to take care of someone else is to take care of yourself. And the best thing you can do for them is to for you to have a good time. And yeah. that's not to say that your orgasm should be performative or for them in any way. But just know that if you're so concerned about them and their happiness and their pleasure... Their most pleasure is going to come from yours. Absolutely. Even if it's a one-night stand. There's no one who doesn't feel good about that. And that could also turn a one-night stand into not a one-night stand. Because you were vulnerable with a person and you opened up and you really went for your pleasure and didn't care about what they thought instead of trying to fit into a mold of what you thought they wanted. Right. Right. 
So I'm so sad we have to end there. I do think we should come back and talk about more things because you are my sage. <laughs> and I love you so much. Um, is there anything too. else you feel needs to be said or a little tidbit of wisdom you want to? There's no such thing as a slut. Mm. I'm going to end on that That funny. I just, I, I don't understand that word. There's no such thing. I mean, there is, I mean, I know there are people who are trying to reclaim that word. So it's a good thing, I would say. But I would say all research is good research. Absolutely. You, as I just hope that more people have less shame about all of this. And yeah. if you're if you're if you're enjoying sex and you enjoy sex, then there's nothing to be ashamed about. If you're enjoying your body, there's nothing to be ashamed about, regardless of what gender, what sexual orientation. There is absolutely nothing. And I will be all of your friends and make you feel comfortable. She will. And <laughs> in that, because I really, if I, if, if it's, it's something that I, I don't think should be taken away from any human being. And I feel mm. like it has for no good reason other than cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. I would agree. It's one of life's great pleasures. We all it deserve is. it. And it's like, obviously dating is not going to be fun if you're not getting off ever. Yeah. You and it. you can do it by yourself and it's free. Yeah. Listen. It's free. It's free. You don't why have would you to not be, entertain you yourself for free? We're not talking about villas in Spain. <laughs> it's free. I love you so much. I love you. Thank now you for coming it. on. Oh my god. Please gosh. come back whenever you have something you want to talk about. Oh my, I'm sure uh, there'll be more things. Oh yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Bye. Just the tip, a dating tip. I love Rachel's story about how she met her husband. Obviously, we don't all have the opportunity to meet people in classes in real life and have them see us eating an avocado with carrots or a phone in a sock. So I would say take those little quirks about yourself and put them on your dating profile. Wear them on your sleeve. Figure out the things that are most imperfect and weird about you and put them out into the world. If you can't always be seen in your natural habitat, you might have to show it off a little. And that also goes to not pretending to be someone you're not, not thinking you need to be perfect and ideal and everything about you has to fit some image. The more specific you can be on your dating profiles and in real life, letting your quirks and your cracks show the more you're going to attract the right person for you. Because anyone who sees those things and is immediately like, no, probably isn't the person for you. And you're only going to more quickly attract the right people for you. So ask yourself your weirdest, littlest, most embarrassing, most vulnerable things, and just get used to starting to show your real self to the world. And this will also help, as we were talking about, in the sexual arena. Don't be ashamed. The things that make you different are the things that make you attractive and sexy and appealing and powerful and confident, much more than trying to seem like this ideal that everyone has, but nobody is. So put yourself out there, let the crack show, and have fun. If you have questions for me, not your therapist podcast at gmail.com, not your therapist podcast on Instagram. Thank you to Rachel Axelrod, who is Raxel19 on Instagram, if you want to check her out. She's hilarious. You'll definitely see her becoming famous in the next couple of years. Thank you to her. Thank you to my beautiful producer, Christine Bartolucci. Thank you to Melissa Gruen. Thank you to all of you for listening, rating, reviewing, and making dating fun.